0: Hey there, world. You're listening to the Hector Podcast with me, Daryl Kelly, founder of Hecticapp.com. This is episode number 11. Keep it going. So what is Hectic? Well, Hectic is a single digital workspace with all the tools you'll need to start, manage, and grow a freelancing business with a built-in, personalized community to help freelancers connect with others, develop and refine their craft, and get help from experts, empowering anyone with a skill and a dream to get from one client to unstoppable. That's Hectic this is the hectic podcast a place for inspiring and exciting conversations with freelancers we'll also catch up with global experts across a wide variety of industries and backgrounds to get advice tips and insights on overcoming mental hurdles managing the hustle and navigating through adversity and last but not least authentic conversations with the people behind hectic and joining me today is marik hozik if you google freelancer merrick should be the picture that shows up his great face that if you're watching this on video you'll be able to see right now with his shining pearls going uh design strategy and even touring with the band which we're going to get into i hope through this conversation merrick has done it all without a salaried gig insight since 2002 yes you heard me right since 2002. After one conversation with him, this conversation, you'll start to believe and understand whatever crazy idea you have in your head, it's totally possible. And he believes and lives out this great design and believes that design can elevate your business and even transform an entire market. You know, Merrick, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to catch up with me and share lessons and insights from your very successful and awesome freelancing career. How are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing well, Daryl. How are you? Thanks for that intro. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I'm going to say it again. Everyone says thanks for the intro and it's fun because it's just, it's just who you are. You're a great guy. It's easy to make. Well, thank
1: (laughs) you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I've, I've listened to a lot of your podcast and uh, everyone is very unique and, and I, I really enjoy it. So I'm super stoked to be here.
0: You've got an awesome story. A really cool story.
1: Yeah. Kind of, kind of been at this for a while and uh, thanks for inviting me again. Yeah. um uh it's good to be here to share kind of what i have learned in the past two decades and you know my 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 ups and downs <laughs> yeah. so uh i got a, a lot of stories and and a lot of what not to do and
0: a lot of what to do so <laughs> so you yeah. immigrated immigrated here from the check
1: yep, yep came here when i was nine years old we yep. escaped uh communist czechoslovakia um my parents didn't tell us that we were leaving they just kind of uh told us we were we were going on a ski trip to austria so that and you was had cool. all your
0: all your boots and your ski you're ready to go skiing I'm ready to go
1: skiing. <laughs> I'm ready to go skiing i'm like this is awesome um you know the only thing that was really weird is that the tv was going the couch was missing from the house <laughs> And at that time we were living in Prague and we were, um, my parents were thinking about buying a house like in the country <clears throat> or outside of Prague. So I thought the nine-year-old that they're like, you know, we're moving and they didn't tell us. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking all this like, whoa, I, you know, they're keeping it a secret. So, um, we go on the ski trip and then, uh, literally, so in communism, you, when you cross the border, it literally could take like between four and eight hours to cross the border because mm-hmm. there's cars and they got to che- your paperwork has to check and everything. And, uh, it, it's a big deal, you know? So when you, when we crossed the border, my parents kind of pulled the car over and, and they both, you know, my brother and I, <clears throat> who's five years older, they pulled the car over and they're like, well, what would you guys think about living in the United States with your grandma? And we're like, what are you talking about? You know, (laughs) like you just bought a house, you know, somewhere, you know. And so, so that was really weird. And we both started crying. And the only thing I thought about was um, all my toys that I left behind at that time. So it was a little, it was, it was, it was sad really um, for me. And then they put us in this um, hostel with like all these other families. And we lived there for about six months until the U.S. accepted us as, as immigrants. Um, but that was really cool. You know, I got to go to school in Austria and then, um, finally arrived in, uh, in Chicago area and my, my grandma was there my grandpa was there and, you know, didn't speak in a word of English. You know, the, my, I remember like this, it was yesterday. My mom said, if anybody talks to you in school, just say, I don't understand, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Oh, great. This, that's going to be fun. So I, I ran away from school a few times. I told the teacher I'm going to the bathroom when I went home, um, you know? And so it was, it was, it was rough beginnings for us really was because my parents mm-hmm. opened up a restaurant and they, uh, yeah, they, they were there Monday, you know, Monday through Sunday and I, I didn't want to be alone. And so, and uh, you know, here I am now living in Colorado without my parents. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's the evolution, but it was, it, I think it taught me a lot about life, about, you know. Just uh, got to keep moving forward. And I, I really give my parents, you know, the props for doing it with two kids in their 30s yeah. and just just starting over. So. And
0: that restaurant, you ended up working at that restaurant through your career, correct? Well, I can guess you, not. Do you, can, can you consider that part of your career? Yeah, I, I, I was
1: there since I was 10 to about 20, well, till about 29 years old. So that wow. that's a huge part of my life. I grew up in a restaurant wow. business. So I grew up, um, you know, as a, I was a busboy. Um, since I was 11 years old, <clears throat> I worked every Saturday and, uh, then I went to school and then I, I eventually worked as a waiter, as a server. Um, you know, I went to high school and then I was on a work program. So I got to get, go out of high school at noon and I went right to the restaurant to work. Um, so that was really interesting. So I, I didn't really see college in my for my, my future at all. I, um, I really didn't like school. Um, I was not, I'm not the most academic, you know, scholar, So I was just, you know, let's, let's get it done. Let's roll up our sleeves, you know, and then eventually my dad trusted me to run the restaurant and, uh, I got, uh, you know, I was really into art. My, my uncle was a painter, uh, my, my mom's brother. And, uh, he watched me from now and then when I was like, probably like 11, 12 years old and I watched him in a studio and I really got involved in it. And then I used to draw napkins because, you know, the restaurant, you got your, You got time when it's really slow. So, you either watch TV or you, you, or I was drawing on napkins or on anything. So, then I got, you know, I I would take that sketch, I'd take it home, I'd make a painting out of it, I'd bring it back to the restaurant, show it to all the the customers, you know, and then, and that was like the highlight, you know, and, and then all my friends were going to college and I'm like, well, I should probably do something too. I don't want to be here forever, you know. So, um, I applied at the School of the Art Institute, which is a fine arts school in Chicago. And and I got in based on my portfolio, which was awesome. Was Um, your
0: portfolio just full of uh, napkins?
1: (laughs) It was full of napkins. But back then I actually had the foresight to actually like, you know, I'm a strong believer that um, your work is just your, like your work. You got to show it off really nicely Mm -hmm. um, because otherwise nobody's going to take you seriously. You know, and that still stays with me today. You know, you look at my portfolio, it's polished. You know, I, I I take pride in my work and it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if it's a business card for a plumber or if it's um, a rebranding, you know, for some bigger fortune 500 company, Mm -hmm. I I feel like this is what I do and I got to take pride in it. So even back then I did a real, I took photos of all my pieces. I, I did a nice binder and I went in there like, here's my work, you know, like, what do you guys think? Um, it also helped that I took five years off after high school to go mm-hmm. to college. You know, I, I, uh, I probably would have flunked out at 18, 19. Um, and then I, I went, so I started college when I was 25. <clears throat> so I, I almost went into this like grad student mentality, but yeah. I was going for
0: my undergrad. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting, you know? So what did you learn during that period, that five year gap year or <laughs> five years Capier year, man Cap year. yeah. <laughs> yeah traveled
1: you know uh partied uh, you know dated it was beautiful you know cash i was running a restaurant you know mm-hmm. it, was, it was awesome mm-hmm. cars um no what i what i learned is that the restaurant business you know my dad always um told me you know hey you want something you work for it you know he didn't give me a you know a handout even college you know he met me halfway so he paid half my college and he's like you put 100 i'll put 100 you know that kind of attitude and i think that really stuck with me um you know but in those five years that i took off i i i just kind of figured it out like what i really wanted to go after you know i always knew i was creative um i always knew i wanted to do something in the arts i just didn't know what that was i didn't even really know what graphic design meant back then or visual communication back then of what it was called, you know, but um, I think it was just focus. And then when I really entered um, the School of the Art Institute, I knew what I was going after and I was, I was going to, I was going to try to make a living at it. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the biggest, I think, takeaway from taking those five years off.
0: Well, you've made an awesome living from it you know, what, 20, what is it? Yeah, it's going to be,
1: three? yeah, it's, it's going to be 20 years in uh, next year, um, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, it's been, yeah. And, and, and like I said, I would have probably never been able to do that if I didn't, you know, take that, those five years off. Um, partly, you know, like even in, even internships, right? So I worked through college, I, I worked at the restaurant and <clears> then <throat> I went to school full time um, and I loved it because it was project-based, and mm. the school there at Institute of Chicago, it, I had no idea how, what, a, what a prestigious fine art school it was, right? Mm. Um, no idea. It's part of the museum. So I learned about a painting. I walked through the museum. I see all these masterpieces, like, on my way to, you know, art history. It was awesome. And um, it was more of a project-based school, so it was pass or fail. Mm-hmm. So there was no GPAs. There was no grading system. It's basically you do the work and you pass, you know? Um, there was a lecture there was a critique. I learned how to critique there as well, you know, uh, because you can't just go and, oh, you know, this this sucks, blah, blah, blah. You got to kind of ease into it. You got to be like, okay, this is what's working with it. And then here's kind of what's not working with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I use that even today when I had my studios and had people working with me on projects. I, you know, you got to lift people up around you. If you don't do that, they're not going to want to work with you for one. And for two, they're not going to trust you. And, um, you know, you got to kind of, go easy, you know, because, you know, it's not brain surgery, uh, you, you know, there's no really lives, you know, at, 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 at stake here. But I think, I think you really have to, you know, that that's one thing that I learned from, from going to school there is how to be a better, like just a visual and how to communicate better.
0: So you said that this, this concept of you didn't know what graphic design or visual communication was or what it meant then versus what it means now, are there any differences between now and then, you know, rewind 20 years ago?
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely. So I, um, when I, yeah, I didn't even know what email was actually, you know, I just, (laughs) it was, yeah. And I'm not that archaic, right. I'm not like, I'm not like 75 years old, but I, you know, I'm, I'm seasoned in my profession. Um, I think more today it's going more for digital design, you know, where back then, you know, we didn't have apps. We did the website. There was websites, but it was, it wasn't that like flash was the big thing, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. let's do some fly stuff. But I was always into print. And I think that was where the visual communication was being taught. It, It was, was print projects and branding and identities, you know, make a logo, um you know make a print book out of it you know and feel it touch the paper experiment um that kind of stuff with typography um what i think today you know it's different for sure um but but that's like even before the computer people were drawing stuff you know they were they were typesetting um they were doing grids by hand you know uh, where you told them that you're gonna be doing this on a mac uh, on a computer, you know, a decade later they'd look at you like you're crazy. Um and I think that was kind of like the the longer you do this, the more you have to keep up with what's going on, you know. Um and I think but but I I also think you got to look at your past. You you got to see where visual communication came from. Um you know, I always get asked, you know, this question, it's like, "Oh, so you do logos, um so you don't really know how to do websites or you don't do apps or you don't do design is design to me. I, I feel like, you know, you can, you can get in it, you can get into it. You can get your hands dirty. You can, you can, you know, you get, you can study the grid, whether the grid is on a piece of paper or whether the grid is on um, you know, pushing pixels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think design to me is design. And I think uh, consistency is, is, is key um, with that. Um, so I feel like that's what's really changed. Um, in the last two decades is how we, uh, how we deliver the design and how it's being consumed mm-hmm. basically, you know, but we, st- we still do, you know, we still design books. We still read, read books and, and all that stuff. But I just think with the phones today, you know, constantly scrolling, it's just become a l- way, way different approach for sure.
0: Would you have any tips if I'm not in the design space on how I could improve my visual communication? Um, you mean like if you were a client, no, just, you know, if I'm a freelance writer or mm-hmm. a free, freelance programmer mm-hmm. and you know, I, I have this thing that I have to visually communicate, you know, wh- any tips or even yeah. if I'm a, a a new graphic designer or designer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like don't overthink it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, less is more kind of approach in the beginning, especially. You know a lot of times your first idea is probably the best idea mm-hmm. um you know don't beat a, de- a dead horse i've been on so many projects where you know we just went after it and went after it and went after it and then you know we just went back to the first one um you know and and i can probably that's like 75 of of the projects um and just you know l- think about your audience think about the people that are actually going to be viewing your work and, and what you're creating for, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a difference between fine art and then design. Um, I do both. So fine art, I am my client and nobody really tells me what to do. Right. Um, unless it's a commission for like, here, can you do a portrait of my family? You know, you got to kind of nail that, but I don't do portraits. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But with design, there's, there is a client, you know, and there is a, you got to almost like get into, or with, with anything that you're getting, you know, hired for, if you're an architect, you know, and they say, Hey, I want a bedroom facing South. You're not going to put it North. You're going to put it South because that's what the Mm -hmm. client wants. That's what they're paying Mm -hmm. for. But now, you know, you have an option. Hey, do I want large windows? Do you want skylights? You know, how is this going to look and how's that going to translate throughout the rest of the house? So I think that's the same thing with design. Um, hmm. you, you have to be a good listener uh, because you have to get into your client's um, head a little bit. You got to know what they're thinking and you, you know, there's, there's times when you, you kind of, you know, you, you convince them that this is the right approach. But a lot of times, you know, the client, the client is pretty savvy. They, they know their business better than you do. So hmm. listen, learn, and then I think you'll deliver a good, a good product.
0: So you've engaged with what, hundreds of clients over the years. And I want to lean into what you just said, because a lot of our audience are very early in their careers. They're mid in their freelance career. or they're just reshaping the way that they think about their freelance career? Would you have any tips or what would you give young Merrick in terms of working with the client, navigating with client relationships, having that balance of, okay, great. You want the window on the South side. But in order to optimize light or optimize the flow of the room, you know, in the architect example, what are your tips or insights into being a good client manager that helps push clients in a meaningful way?
1: Um, yeah, just, just definitely listen. That's, that's the first thing. Listen, Mm -hmm. you don't know everything, uh, and you won't know everything. There's no way that you can go into a, uh, a factory that's been around for a hundred years and know more than that CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's impossible, you know, or, or the people that have been
0: there for 25 years. Um, did you learn that by a mistake or how did, <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, I, I tend to, yeah, th- there's been a couple stumbles. There's been a couple times when I walked in and I thought I, I had it all figured out and I got, I got stomped to the ground pretty, pretty, pretty quick. Um, what was that like? It, it made me feel really small. Um, it made me feel really irrelevant, you know, and, and, um, you know, I guess the, the biggest what I, you know, kick myself in the butt for is that I didn't do my homework, you know, mm. and, uh, and I think do your homework, you know, before you talk to anyone, you know, look, look on their LinkedIn profile, get to know them, what are they into, you know, uh, what cars do they draw? I mean, it doesn't matter. There's got to be that flow with a conversation. Um, that's, I think, really something that I learned working at a restaurant. <clears throat> and I always bring that back. Um, because somebody walks in through my door at a restaurant, probably within 10 seconds, I know what kind of personality that person is. I know if they want to be talked to. I know if they want to be left alone. I know if they're in a good mood, I know if they're in a bad mood. And that is something that I take with me, um, on all client meetings, on all phone calls. Mm -hmm. I can read people pretty good and I can kind of figure out when to back off and when to lean in um you know and i think that is that is a really great skill to have i i, I know so many talented creatives that just shut down and they cannot mm-hmm. talk to clients they're great at what they do and if you put them in front of a client they will just die they will they will they, they just can't do it um so you got to overcome that fear cuz you're not only a designer you're a salesman you're an accountant you're a uh, errand runner, you know, you're, you need to have all those things, you know, yeah. um, especially to run a freelance business.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and that's where I think, you know, a lot of people go into freelance design or photography and they think, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to create websites or illustrate really amazing logos or take really cool photos or, you know, do writing. And then the entire business piece comes into play. And throughout your career, you've ran a really, really great business as well. Which is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been fun. You know, it's been fun. And like I said, I won't. I, I'm not going to lie and say that it's been all great. You know, I mean, there's been so many times when I I opened up three studios. You know, three different times where I'm like, oh crap, we got these big clients. Literally, the next day I went out. I bought you know five Macs and opened up you know a studio and got on you know different websites where can i find some some people to help me because you know i can't do 150 hours a week myself no. um and i want to deliver the best product and there was also a time when i didn't even touch illustrator or photoshop for like 3 to 4 years i i was just no. a guy just kind of going around the studio and talking to people and managing and getting the, the new business and trying to get new business which is you know something that Nobody can teach you, (laughs) you know, that's something that, that you, you'll find out really quick when the well is dry and you're like, oh crap, I got too comfortable, you know? And when you get too comfortable, that's when it all just goes. (laughs) Tell me about a time where you
0: were too comfortable.
1: A lot of times when you get a big client, they get you either on a retainer or, you know, you got some set hours, you know? you stop hunting, you stop, yeah. you, you're like, oh, this is so fun and it's exciting. And I'm getting a steady, steady work coming in. And then you kind of forget about the fact that you don't have a contract, you know, you, you, you don't, I mean, even if you do, they can still fire you. They can still like say, bye, we just found somebody new, mm-hmm. you know, here's a severance package go, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's no guarantee. Um, and I think that was the biggest lesson. And I'm still going through it now, 20 years later, you know, because I still forget that part of my brain still forgets to, to do the work, you know, cause I'm so into the creative part mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I just sometimes forget that, Hey, this could end and it will end eventually, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I, and I'm so blessed that I've had clients since 2009 that I'm still working with today, you know? Um, and it's all about relationships
0: because. How? So how you have clients for 20, how? That's a, that's a great relationship.
1: Yeah, just relationships. Just, you know, you you do the work, you know, whether, you know, if you're a, a graphic designer or any creative that's coming up, you are in the service industry, whether you think or not. You're servicing other people. You know, whether you're a photographer, you're servicing that client. Whether you're a graphic designer or an architect, you cannot have um, a business without a client. Unless you are your own client and you start your own, you know, brand. But then, you know, now your clients are out there buying buying your stuff. Um, so, so I think it's all about just good service, <clears throat> being available. You know, I've worked with so many people that I am um, like, oh yeah, you you can you can code this for me, great. You know, let's let's start working. And then you email them at two, 2 p.m. and there is like crickets, and I am like, well, what what happened? Oh, I got I got a, a Monday through Friday job, and I I am doing this at night. Well, I am sorry, I can't work with you you know, because you're not available. And the same thing goes with clients and, and you, you need to be available. I'm not saying like you need to, you know, if a client all of a sudden writes you emails at 7 p.m., I I don't recommend you get back right away unless it's like a fire that you got to put out. <clears throat> you have to put some kind of boundaries, but you have to be available and at least, yeah. you know, reply within, a, you know, a certain amount of time because they will leave you if you don't do that because they expect you to be there. Mm-hmm. So. And that—that's—that's, that's, I think, a really great trait to have, and that's why I think I have the relationships that I do. Um, the work is great; I love doing the work, but I think you got to fill in all the little gaps in between. You know, the end product is great—that—that's that, why they're hiring you. But they're also hire, hiring you for for that day to day relationship. You know, so yeah.
0: You and have you a lot of opinions on. You, um, you have a lot of opinions on freelancing. Um, a lot of informed opinions. Maybe opinions is the wrong word, but that's what I'll use. You know, uh, let's see, three years ago or two years ago on your LinkedIn, I remember you made this post on freelancing isn't free and you designed it in typical Merrick fashion where it looked really great. It was really bold. It stood out. What was behind that? I've, I've always wondered, should have asked that in the comment.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think that, uh, so what, what I try to do now is, and that's part of my, my strategy, right? Just keep, keep, keep going out there, keep giving advice, you know, because I think y- you got to stay in touch, you know, kind of do this organic, this kind of o- organic advertising. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, so I've, I've done, I'm doing like a series of that to promote okay. you know, myself, but also uh, freelancing does not mean free because, um, a lot of times, you know people think that because you're a freelancer you're hungry and you're you'll you'll do it for you know really not a lot of money but they don't realize that that we have so many you know different overheads to pay our own insurance our own you know accounting we have to buy our own computers our own IT department so i i I think just don't you know go in there and and price fair But don't, you know, obviously don't be greedy because, you know, don't compare yourself to other people, what they're charging or this and this, you know, what you're worth. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if somebody offers you, let's say equity, right. Equity in your company. Right. I've been, I can't tell you how many, I can't count in both hands, how many times people have said, Oh, this company, once it takes off, you're going to get, you know, X amount of dollars, blah, 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 blah. Well, as we know, a lot of companies don't make it, you know, and, and, and it doesn't have to be because of your, you know, of your contribution, because once you hand it off, they're kind of, you know, you're not really responsible for what they do with it. Right. I could mm-hmm. I could do a logo and a branding guide for you. And if I'm not somehow involved through that process for the next two or three years with you, then it, it, it may not come into fruition. Um, it, you may you may ruin it that the person may ruin it. They may not understand how to run a business with the with the brand guideline that you give them um so i feel like you know charge what you're worth um because i've i've had some experiences where like i said people offered me money or or equity in their company and then i got screwed in the in the end you know
0: so but how do i know my worth You know, if I'm early in and I see that, you know, little carrot of, you know, 2% of this future billion dollar idea or, you know, some type of weird agreement, how do I say no? How do I know my worth? What have you learned over the years?
1: Well, I I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of resources if they go into AIGA, uh, American Institute of Graphic Arts. Um, Every year they come up with a, with a salary guide. And uh, they give you, if you're 25%, 50%, 75% or hundred percent, which means like how long you've been doing it, what you're, what you bring to the table. Right. Um, So if you're just started starting out, you're obviously probably not going to charge as much money as somebody who's been doing it for a decade or who's got more experience because maybe it's going to take you 40 hours, right. To achieve what somebody who's been doing it for a long time can do in 10 hours. Mm -hmm. So if that person charges, let's say, 150 bucks an hour for 10 hours, you probably should charge 55, 65 bucks an hour for 40 hours, right? Uh, Because it's going to take you longer to get to that, to that, um, to that place where where the client's going to be like, oh, that's it, you know. And every once in a while you might get lucky, but Mm -hmm. it it, it is all about you know doing it for a long time and you know those 10,000 hours, you know that you know, you're a photographer, yeah. you know, yeah, Harrison, you,
0: yeah. Yeah. you got to
1: get good. You got to get good at your craft, you know? And, um, and I think if you don't have those, those hours under your belt, there's no way you're going to be able be able to, to nail it. Um, every time.
0: And then what would you be your advice on knowing when I'm worth more knowing when you're, when did you know that you were worth more? Uh, I think
1: I've always been into those relationships, right? So, so just because you can charge X amount of dollars, you almost have to uh, look at, okay, is this client going to be a repeat client, a repeat customer where I can maybe charge a little bit less? um, But I know that they're going to be with me for, you know, a year or two, or is it going to be a one-off, which, which... I don't recommend but we we those clients do come come by where you do a logo you do you know some kind of a project and then you never hear from them again Mm -hmm. so i think have uh have a you know be flexible don't say oh i'm charging a hundred dollars an hour no matter what because if i come to you and i offer you 40 hours a week you know and i tell you hey can you do it for 75 bucks an hour I highly recommend taking that because you're going to be, in the long run, you're going to make more money and a better relationship with this client um, mm. versus, you know, that one off. So mm-hmm. I think uh, it's just, you, you can kind of see and, and feel, you know, don't, don't be like very rigid in your pricing, be flexible. Um, you know, I've taken, I, I've done $500 pro- projects for, for somebody that I didn't even know. Because I I liked them I at that time there was nothing on my desk that was like I need to do this and I really wanted to do the gig for this 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 person you know um, so just be flexible and don't be don't be just stuck in your head you know oh I I can't do this I gotta you know charge five thousand dollars no you 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 can be flexible and and I think there's an old saying and it sounds better in check but
0: we well, got to say uh, it in check first now then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, that means it doesn't always have to be a downpour as long as there's a constant drip, right? Mm. So in a, in a business world, you want that constant drip because those down, downpours, especially here in Colorado, they don't come out very often. You know, you may make a ton of money on that downpour, but what you're looking for is that slow drip, you know, um, because that's the only way you're going to be able to um, have a freelance career. Mm-hmm. Um, to have those slow, slow drips.
0: <laughs> and it's those slow drips that, and this is me projecting, but it's those slow drips and the pores or the balance there that has allowed you to have such a lucrative and flexible and amazing career. You know, I'm, I always see pictures of you skiing with your daughter in the middle of the week, yeah. that flexibility that's in it. What else is one of those driving reasons or desires as to why you continue to freelance? You've chose it for twenty years. Oh, 22 years. Why do you keep doing it? You know,
1: I think I don't know if I chose it, <laughs> but it just kind of it just kind of happened that way. Um, part of me, like I'm always okay. So whenever you have those really low, low, low lows, where you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea where, where I'm gonna, you know, get this money to pay my mortgage, right? Yeah. Um, something just kind of always happens, (laughs) you know, and I always get a gig, you know, it's weird. So I've never been, you know, there's been a couple of times when uh, uh, I looked at my wife and I'm like, "Uh, I should brush up that resume, huh? She's like, yeah, probably. Um, So I think freelance chose me to be honest with you. Um, I didn't set out to be working for myself forever um, and nor maybe like I don't think that'll be forever. um mm-hmm. I still haven't had that that gig come along where they're like, "Hey, we want you here's a salary, we want you to be part of this team. Can you see yourself doing that? you know we want you to be part of the band kind of approach mm-hmm. right um would you do I, it anyways <clears throat> you know, I guess it all depends, you know it, it depends on what it what it was and how excited I would be be with it, you know, and I think also um this like live beneath your means attitude <clears throat> throughout my whole career um, has been really positive for me, and that's how I've been able to maintain my 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 business. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you spend too much and you have those really really lows, then you're like, oh crap, um, I can't pay the mortgage. But if you live beneath your means, you know you have those that six to twelve months put away um, mm-hmm. for those dry times. Um, yeah. you know so, so I think that's that's how I've been able to kind of sustain the business too you know and uh, of course I want to buy you know X amount of things and I, I, <laughs> I like things just like the next guy you know we're a one car fa- family you know so mm-hmm. I, I'd love to have another car but I choose not to have another car because mm-hmm. I choose the freedom of being an independent creator over uh, working for the man.
0: Okay so so glad you said independent creator because I know that you've probably cringed every single time that I've said freelancing. <laughs> because I know I know you have an opinion on this. You gotta expand. Uh well,
1: freelance, and I have this discussion with my 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 buddies that are doing the same thing that I am, you know, and we have a, a really great um chemistry. Probably I have 10 people that I bounce ideas off of and you know because you know we're we're either we're at a small office or a co-working space or we don't have many people to talk to it's like i can show this to my dog what do you think ziggy you know but uh, (laughs) i'm not going to get much back and we always have this 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 discussion are you a freelancer or are you like an independent business owner or like what what are we and i think it it just it, it all depends on the month right like i think we're still independent business owners um for instance, uh right now um I don't have anybody like on um, a salary in for, under MH design. Um but I do have people that I work with, you know, on a day-to-day basis. I have copywriters that I work with, illustrators, strategists. Um so technically they're part of MH design, and MH design all of a sudden from a one-man show it becomes a 10-man show, right? Like uh, it becomes the, the this band. And I go back to the band method because I use it so much. Um you know, uh, you can, you can create a wonderful song with just an acoustic guitar, but man, it sounds so much better when you add bass and and lead guitar and and a synthesizer, you know, and, and you do something together, you're creating art together, you know? And I feel like in the past five years, that's what I've been doing is creating art mm-hmm. with other people. Um, even though mm-hmm. I'm the face of MH design, MH design is so much bigger than me, you know? Um, and so so, so the word freelance to me, uh, it's, it's not really, I think you start out as a freelancer because that's what it's kind of called, but you become a independent creator, a business owner. I mean, that's where you want to be. You want to, you if you get two or three big clients coming in through that door, there's no way you can do it by yourself. Um, so you're going to have to be a manager, an accountant, a creative director, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not a freelancer anymore. You're, you're running a solid business. Um, so independent creator, I like that. Um, I don't mind freelancer, but I just prefer the independent business, business owner.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you, you have elevated beyond this is just a side gig or a hobby. It's who you are. It's your identity. Every choice that you make is out of this Decision of you being an independent creator that collaborates so well with others. I mean, you're telling about you know you're a one fa- you're a one car family. You live be- be- below your means. It all goes back into making sure that this is more than just a gig. This is more than just a side hustle. You're making business decisions, right? Yeah. You're you're keeping your expenses in mind so profits can be can be healthy. You also do a really good job of allowing your brand to permeate into the world really, really well, where it's not just me, 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 talk, 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 gig, 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 gig. And you make it bigger than yourself. And then you connect with others. I want to talk about this really, really cool thing that you've started a few years ago, Art for Health. Mm. What is it? Mm. What impact do you want it to have?
1: Uh, life-changing basically. That's what I'll say. Uh, it changed the way I view what I do. Um, started a decade ago. I went on a, on a, so I've, I've always done some pro bono stuff here and there, but I've never really like dug into it. Um, I went to Haiti with uh, a good friend of mine, uh, in 2011, I believe right after the earthquake in Port-au-Prince and, um, was there for six days um so i shoot as well I'm, I'm. i i wouldn't consider myself a professional photographer but i have shot professionally for clients and this and that but it's not my main gig right um i, I do it as a hobby so i went there <clears throat> i brought my camera took a ton of great photos brought them back to the, stu- the studio and i looked at at them and i'm like man this is really pretty powerful stuff um not even the the work but the subject, right? Um, the the people that I was shooting and and the the places and it just really made an impact. Um so I'm like I talked to my buddy, he was at Rush University Medical Center, and I'm like, why don't we do like a like an art show and then raise money, you know, to send more teams out there and medical teams and just like a total pipe dream, you know, like I have no idea what was going on. You know, so we we planned this like big event, this big wedding, awesome. you know? And our goal was to raise $10,000. And dude, we raised 35 grand the first year. Wow. And I had no idea what what was going on. You know, I I printed these, you know, large photos on canvas. And and I invited other artists to be part of this too. You know, because I, I you know, I, I like a party. So I, I'm like, hey, come on in, you know, you're doing this, bring it over. Oh, but by the way, you have to auction it off. You have to give it away. Cool. Okay. Exposure. Um, So we did this. Um, very successful. It was called Art for Haiti.
0: Okay.
1: Second year, we just kept doing it, you know, and I went to Dominican Republic uh, with this group, um, brought back new photos, got involved again, you know, got some exposure from, from the news and this, and we raised $50,000. And I'm like, how is this even possible? It was a lot of work. My wife, I thought, was going to divorce me when I was planning this because it's <laughs> literally like planning a wedding, you know? And uh, she's like, oh, my gosh, you're planning this again. And are you going to be doing this for every year? And I'm like, well, if it goes well, yeah. Um, so then we started uh, rethinking the structure. We're going to different places than Haiti. So how about art for health, right? Everybody wants to be healthy. Medical artists are kind of coming together. So we had this vision of, of sending different artists, whether you're a photographer, poet, painter, you know, graphic designer, phot- uh I'll, on these trips with these, with these medical students from, from Chicago. And it just kind of grew into this thing that really is bigger than me. Um, I may have planted the seed and it was such a great thing to do. And it was so inspiring and probably some of the best graphic design, visual communication work I've ever done. Um, That's, that's probably the most, like the stuff that I'm most proud of is that stuff I'm doing for art for health and um and and art for haiti um and then decade later it's still going i'm not in chicago i'm in colorado there's a big committee um they set up their whole non-for-profit organization called community empowerment which i branded um and then now we're just kind of i'm just like a a bystander now it's it's I, i i let them do it you know and it's 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 a beautiful thing to see that i don't have to have my fingers in everything and i'm you know not a like not controlling every little thing. Um, so, yeah, and that's why it's it's on my website because it's a big part of my work and it's a big part of who I am and why I, I do graphic design um, to, 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 to do stuff like this, you know, to help. Because visual communication can change change things, you know. Uh, look at Black Lives Matter. I mean, they're, they're, they were walking around with the posters, right? And everybody was doing this kind of stuff and like all these different movements, you know, and there has to be visual communi- communi- communication with that. Because if there isn't, um, there's something missing. That ingredient is missing. Um, yeah, I agree. So, so, yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of who I am, you know, and I, I love it. I'm still involved with it. This is We're planning year number 11, um, coming up with the concepts right now. And I'm actually thinking awesome. about taking my whole family to the D- D- Dominican Republic um, to actually show them what's going on over there, where the money's going. And we're yeah. approaching almost $800,000 now that Congrats. we've raised. That's um, huge. So yeah, it's huge. It's, I mean, from just a $10,000 dream into this, it's, it's awesome. And it's awesome uh-huh. to see all these people coming together to make it happen.
0: Yeah. So, so super proud of everyone on it. Someone that's listening, they want to get involved or donate, where could they do that?
1: Yeah, they can go on communityempowerment.org um and um yeah you can do donations there if anybody is interested in even going on any of these trips you know if you're if you're in the medical field or if you're uh, a creative of of some sort you know we're always looking for um fresh blood (laughs) you know because and also like i don't want to keep going because then these people are going to see the same thing you know i want other artists involved and i just want to be the guy who's kind of cheering him on from the sidelines, you know, I've been there, I've, I've, I've experienced that joy, you know, and I want other people to experience that joy. So, um, yeah, definitely go, go on there or you can actually email me through my website and I'll give you all the, all the information.
0: So Merrick, as we wrap up, did you do homework for the signature question?
1: I did. I did. did. I did. All right.
0: So what's one good habit that an aspiring freelancer should start developing or one negative habit that an aspiring freelancer should stop doing. And if your notebooks already full, because mine would be, if I was listening to this, just flip a new page. I'm imagining this is going to be gold. All right. Now it's got a, the bar's here now.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, uh, aspiring freelancer, I think always have a side, a side project going on. Mm. Um, don't just rely on client work, right? Because those side projects like art for health, um, have got me number one, more recognition. They got me, it gave me more satisfaction and it built more relationships than any client work ever could. Mm. Right. And this was all self-start. Um, nobody paid me for this. Um, I always have side projects. Even when I had a studio with a, with a, with a team, we always were working on some kind of a mailer or, or, a um, uh, an art piece or, um, a special website to showcase stuff or even client work. We're like, Oh, let's take their stuff and let's just make art out of it and give it to them for Christmas. You know, like that kind of stuff. Always have a side thing because that's going to keep you fresh. And then when you don't have any client work, you can always work on that. So that, that I, I think get into the habit of, of doing side projects that'll turn into something magical. And where could we connect with you online? Online, uh, yeah, you can go to mhdesign.com, and that's with a Z, um, M-H-D-E-Z-I-G-N.com. And I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, all the social media networks, uh, which are very hard for me to keep up with. <laughs> you do a good job on there. You try, try. I like, I like well, that's because I'm, I, that's because I'm an independent creator and I have the time to do it.
0: That's awesome. My Merrick, this was this was so much fun. And yeah, audience, this me. is the first time we're recording with video. It's really cool. You know, I know yeah. our, our episodes have been going longer and longer. We're trying to dial in what, what you like. So we've been hearing some feedback on, you know, episodes being too short, because, you know, once you just get started going, you know, it's it's over. So we're trying to extend it a little bit get deeper into the person that we're connecting with so you can connect a little bit deeper. Um, Merrick, thanks for being a, a, a test pilot on the first video one. It was really great <laughs> yeah, making eye contact the here. whole time.
1: <laughs> 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 trying to, trying to, well, thank you, Daryl, for having me. And uh, thank you for all that you do and definitely, uh, what you're doing over there at Hectic. It's, it's awesome. And it's for people um, like myself and everybody else who's listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So everyone, thank you so much for the feedback, for the comments, for the reviews, for the, 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 likes and love on Instagram and LinkedIn. You are such a massive part of this community. And I couldn't say thank you more. And now that it's video, you get to see me, you get to see the process. And I wanted to look you in the eyes and say, thank you. Merrick says thumbs up to you as independent creators, as small business owners, that's who you are. Identify that way. Be that person and go create amazing work. Thank you for showing up today, for listening, and continue giving feedback. Until next time, my friends, peace!